Hi there, I'm Karen Dunn of KMD Productions. From the equipment manufacturers to the engineers to the business people behind the scenes, over the years, every member of the pro audio corner of the music industry has become family to me, and it's my job to bring the whole eclectic crew together. Each episode, I'll introduce you to one of these characters and open a window into my world of creating community in pro audio. Thanks for tuning in to One and Done. Hi, today we'd like to welcome producer, engineer, and mixer, Neil Pogue. Neil, thanks a lot for being on this podcast. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate that. You do. It's good to be here. Now, we just met last week, and we talked a little bit about the podcast and just talked a little bit about your life. And we have a whole list of questions, but I don't even want to start there. I want to start with, um, I was listening to a podcast this weekend by someone, her name's Gabby Reese, and she's an Olympic volleyball player. And she has a podcast. And uh, she was talking to Stephen Mitchell, who's a poet, translator, scholar, anthologist, and Rick Rubin. Okay. And Rick said something that I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to get your take on it. And I'm just paraphrasing him. Okay. He says, surprise and unexpected are really integral parts of what makes good art good. It operates beyond the face value. It pulls you into question. When you are working... Do you go for that unexpected, that thing that's going to draw people in? All the time. Yeah, because I don't, I'm not a person that likes trends or anything. Um, something that we've, you know, we've heard over and over again, something that's just redundant, which could happen in, in music. Uh, and I call that becoming, becoming zombies. You know, we feed off uh-huh. things that we just, you know, we keep hearing over, over and over again. So I always like to do the unexpected, you know, things that, that catches your ear, something that maybe someone else is not doing. I'm not sure what it is at this moment or what song or whatever, but I'm always reaching for something else, you know, trying to not reinvent the wheel, but just make things more interesting in, mm-hmm. in music. You know, I, I think it's, it's very important that, that we, as creators, that we try to make music, you know, interesting and, um, you know, just things that no one has not that we've never heard, but something to happen in the song or in, in the mix that just piques your interest. Right. That brings you in, right? Yeah, right. That draws you in. That's, that's the thing. It has something, it has to draw you in. I think it's almost, <laughs> I feel as though it's our, our duty to draw the listener in, you know, yeah. even down to not, you know, having vocals so loud, you know, it's some, sometimes it's great to try to figure out what that person said. Rather mm-hmm. than that vocal being right in your face and you hear every word, and I don't, I don't think that's fun. Right. It seems like a lot of music, the one-hit wonders, they all kind of sound the same. They all are happy, but they're all similar. And so I find myself just not really listening anymore. So if I can get something that just a little different, the sound's a little different, the dynamic's a little different, then that's what I want to listen to. And that really gets my attention. And I want to listen to it again and see what was that one point that really brought me back to listen to the song. And that's why it's, it's, you know, it's fun to listen to the music that, that we, that we grew up on. Yeah. Because I'm sure some things that you listen to now that are 30 something years old, and then you listen to it and you go, wow, I've, I've never heard that before. Because some, a lot of things are, you know, maybe on the right side or something that was in the back that you hear now because we're listening different now. Right. So there's always some vocal or some instrumentation or something that's in that song that we've that we've never heard. And I always come across that. Like, wow, I've never heard that sound back there. Because as as teenagers or as um or young young adults, we listen to music differently. Mm-hmm. And now being adults, now we I don't know if we're 
really in tune now or what, but I always hear things that I've never heard heard before. Yeah. And that's one of the things that makes music so magical, right? Right, right. And I try to do that. Yeah. And I always try to do that. I always try to put something in, in the music that a person is not going to hear now, but they may hear 20 years from, from now. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Okay. I know you've talked about this before because I was just watching part of your Pensado um, interview and you were Uh-oh. talking about... <laughs> You were talking about um, color and synesthesia, which I didn't mm. even know it had a name. Jules told me it was a name. Mm. And so you say you feel things in color. You see and feel things yes. in color, right? Yes, yes. So have you always been that way? Or is that something you're born with? I think I've always had it, but didn't realize it until I really got into this business. Because, um, you know, working in, in this business and sitting in front of speakers for hours, mm-hmm. it, it just hits you, you know? But I've always felt melody that that way. I know as as a kid, I think that, you know, I mean, even now I can hear hear a song and it can make me want to cry. It's like one song I, I can think of now is uh, Fleetwood Mac Landslide. Every mm-hmm. time I hear that song, it's like I get overwhelmed. That melody, it's so colorful. You know, it takes my body over. It's It's crazy. Are there certain colors you see and, does, and do the colors relate to the emotion in the song? Yeah, it, it relates to the sound of whatever instrument that is. It relates uh-huh. to, you know, that, that melody that I might hear. Um, and so, sometimes it turns into smell because I, I will hear a song and it takes me back to when I was a kid and I will smell something. You know, it, it'll, it'll take my, my, my senses over. Mm-hmm. It'll take me back to that year or to that moment. And what was I smelling at that moment? It might have been might have been my grandmother's cooking, could have been, um, you know, just anything. You know, it's just, it's, it's just amazing what, what music does. Well, I was, um, we live in the suburbs and, and I have three boys, they're all adults now. But when they were kids, we moved here and they went to a, a school that's walkable. And so the first time I went there, it looked exactly like the elementary school I went to. And I mm-hmm. swear when I passed the auditorium, all I could smell were bologna sandwiches. Because yeah. I grew up with bologna sandwiches, so it brought me back to that experience, right? So yeah, it's definitely. not music, but it's that same. Mm-hmm. It's interesting yeah. how your different senses can just bring you somewhere so quickly. Yeah, right. How has having this superpower impacted your life and your career? Um, I think it has done wonders because having, I guess, being in tune with those colors and all those senses and how it just overtakes me, it makes me so so reactive when it comes to mixing and, and producing, mm-hmm. just being in, in tune with uh, certain things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a spiritual thing. That's, that's what I call it. To, to me, producing a song or mixing a song is like going on, on stage. It's that moment of, of the unknown, but going by your instincts of what to do at, mm-hmm. at that moment and just going, going with it uh, and having some type of fear and hoping people are really feeling what, what you're, you're feeling. You know, seeing something that, like the other day, I was out at a um, at an event, and uh, the outcast Hey Ya hey, had came on, and people were up dancing and just having fun. I was like, wow. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm like, wow. It's weird to to be in that moment where something that you have worked on and it's satisfying to to people, and they felt what what you felt. You know, like what I felt sitting there mixing it and them getting up and feeling that same thing and getting up and dancing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's such a strange feeling. 
you know. It's funny, um, Jules and I met over the weekend to figure out questions to ask you, and I was looking at your different credits, and hey, uh, has been going through my head for days now, and mm. it always, when I hear it, it always makes me happy. Yeah. It's just one of those great songs. Yeah, right. Has there ever been a time when an artist wanted something that in a different way than what you're naturally sensing it to be? Oh, yeah. So what do you do then? Um, you know, when I'm dealing with a client, you know, you're here to serve them. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be frustrating, but sometimes I have to look at it as it's, it's bigger than it's bigger than me. Right. But, you know, knowing that something is going to work and not being a- allowed to do it, it's like, oh. And knowing that it's not an ego thing, it's not being arrogant, it's just the experience of knowing what gets people off. And being older and, and doing this for, you know, 30-something years, I can boldly say I, I know what people like. I know what they're going to mm-hmm. like. I, I know what's going to, you know, make them listen to that song over and over again. Because it's such music, it's, it's, it's psychosis. You know, mm-hmm. things that, that you do is going to make them want to hear it again. But if you give them something that is so linear, they may listen to it maybe once, once or twice, but they won't have that hunger to listen to it over and over and over again. Right, right. And so I, I think that's what we've taken out of, out of music. We've taken, we've taken that drug out, out of it, you know, because there's always something you put in there that makes them go, that makes the person want to go back and they don't know why. And, you know, Tyler's album, Igor, I was, I mean, with, with Tyler, um, sometimes I'm always a- allowed to do what I feel. Uh-huh. And I'll do what I feel, and then people will hit me up on IG saying, man, I love your mixes. And, and usually I, I don't really listen to mixes like that, but something about your mix just made me, and, that, and that's gratifying to, to me because I, I don't do, I, I try not to do typical things. And when you don't do typical things, that makes people, it draws them in. Mm-hmm. And so just to get all types of uh, personal messages from, from people, just, just about the mixing, not even about the songs, about uh-huh. the mixing. So it's like, okay. Wow. Okay, so I did my job, you know. So you're doing what Rick Rubin talked about at the beginning when we were talking, talking yeah, bringing yeah. people in. Yeah, you really have to, you know. And and it's you know I hate to say this, but it's innocent ignorance with with artists and producers of this of this era. I mean, they're 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 innocent of what really gets people because they um of course we all take our, our music personally and we want it to come out a certain way, but a lot of artists and producers have to trust that the people that they that they hire, you know. And sometimes right. there's not a lot, a lot of trust there. Um, but if you trust us, then we'll we're you know we're not going to steer you wrong. But you know that's, that's where we are. It sounds like the whole being able to feel through color thing. Um, it's it's like an intuition, right? So you follow what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Have you ever not followed it just because you thought no, this can't be right, and just done it a different way? Oh yeah, it's it's you know um, early in my career, you know there was always doubt, you know, of what not to do, and then after it comes out, I'm like, oh, I should have done that. Uh-huh. I should have did this because once you, you know, once I'm out shopping, you know, and I'm hearing a song over the speakers, and, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I should have done that, you know. So, but hey, it happens. Just gotta <laughs> let it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your career? How were you drawn to music in the first place? And when did you decide to make music your career path? Oh, man, I was drawn to music at an early age. And I've never really questioned it, but it's uh, one of those things that just hit me as a kid because I was a, you know, a child of the late 60s and early 70s, going to 80s. And, and so I was always drawn to 
um, 45s mm-hmm. for people who, who don't know what that means. <laughs> it's, it's a vinyl, small, <laughs> circular vinyl record, you know, that, that, that has a bigger hole than, than the album does. And you had to buy those special... Yeah, little clips that go in the yeah. middle. The <laughs> early ones were metal, and then it became plastic. But uh, I was drawn to to the record labels. I was drawn to the to the logos. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like at Atlantic and Motown and uh, Stax, and you know the the list goes on. And I was yeah. drawn to that. You know, what I mean, and just to see the colors of each, because each label had had their own color, their own style, their own no, logo, right. their own font. So I was drawn to all all that. That to me was very intriguing. And then if that had one of your favorite, you know, artists on on there, it's just, uh, yeah, I was drawn to that. And then you know, I was drawn to, and I think once I was able to read, because I was, you know, I was maybe three, four years old, just holding uh-huh. these things and putting them uh-huh. on the record player. So and then once I knew how to read, of course, then I'm reading all, all the credits and and wondering what what that is and what that means. And so I've always drawn to it. But I think think back to a lot of those those times and. Uh, I don't know what it was, and, and I'm the only person in my family that is that is a musician that is you know that do what I do, as I can say. Was your family into music? Did they listen to records? Oh and- yeah, they, we were we were record buyers, you know. Uh-huh. And um, you know, and we would have parties and house parties and barbecues, and music was was the whole key of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. What did you grow up listening to? Everything. I mean, there wasn't anything that I didn't listen to. I even listened to country music. I mean, I've listened. I was never, of course, being in, I tell people, being being in high school, there were always cliques. You know, there was the guys mm-hmm. listening to funk and the guys listening to rock and heavy metal and, you know, this, but you never crossed lines. No one's ever crossed lines, you know, because, uh-huh. um, you know, it, it was like you were part of a club, you know, so if you crossed the line, then you, you know, that, that was, that was peer pressure. But me, I was the closeted guy where I listened to everything. I was listening to, from Parliament Funkadelic to to the Carpenters to you know uh, from Rufus and Shaka Khan, Earth Wind and Fire, you know Ohio Players to you know to uh, Bay City Rollers. I mean, I was all over the place, you know. What I mean? mm-hmm. So I mean, too. I mean, I can go to Olivia Newton John, and um, you know, I go as deep as Paul Williams and Glenn Campbell and Tom Jones, and it's just the list goes goes on. Yeah. Uh-huh. To you know, to Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, and I listened to everything. There was nothing that I, I just wouldn't listen to. Now you decided you wanted to be a drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, did your family encourage that? Were they happy with your choice? Well, coming up in elementary school back in my day, um, you you know, I think it was kind of mandatory. Like you had to pick an instrument. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was mandatory, but it was something that we that we did. They they asked us to pick an instrument, and we picked one. But my uh, my first pick was was trumpet, and I played that for maybe like a year. Uh-huh. And then I saw my cousin playing playing drums, and I was like, "Wow, that's maybe I can do that." So I switched from trumpet to playing drums, and uh, I begged my mother to buy me a drum set. And uh, yeah, and that's that's where it all all happened. That's that's the short version, but yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to. I played the viola. Okay. So, yeah, and my sister played the flute and my brother played the trumpet. I almost wish schools kept doing that, but once we took music out of schools, you know, it just it all went downhill and I think that's why and I thought about this the other day and I think that's why music is not as as good as it used to because growing up making records, we were all musicians first. Right. You know? So you have a different perspective in the studio. Yeah. 
Right. So, yeah, if you if you listen to the music that's being made now compared to what we did back in the day, there is a huge, huge difference. So you went to L.A., you were working as a drummer, but you somehow evolved into a, an engineer. Yeah, because I was I was always in, in, in the bands at, at home in, in, uh, in New Jersey, where I was born, born and raised. You know, I was always in bands, always in I was in the neighborhood band and I was always the uh, producer of the band. You know, oh, and when we would go into these little four four track studios, I was the guy that was always would kind of hang hang out and be intrigued by by the guy, you know, uh, tweaking the EQ and everything and putting the processing on it. And I felt that very fascinating. So, you know, so after I got to L- L.A. wanting to be a touring drummer, something about the studio kind of drew, drew me in. And so something, uh, I guess that little voice in my head said, maybe you should go to engineering school. And so I mm-hmm. did that, but it was more about me engineering my my own projects, not about you know being an engineer or going out there and making that a job or you know. Um, so, but it, that kind of fell into it, you know. Um, so I think it's one of those things that were that was always in my path. Uh-huh. Um, but I always wanted to be a, a producer. But as far as becoming a, a mixer, that was something that I I can't can explain. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you. So you were engineer, producer, mixer. What what made you progress? Because you were doing well as an engineer, right? And I always think like if you're happy and things are going well, do you want to take that risk and try something new? So what compelled you to add these different hats to what you were doing? Oh, because I always want more, you know, because I, <laughs> I, I just, you know, because all of it, it, it just, it, I was, you know, I was fiending for it. You know, I wanted to produce records. I wanted to in- engineer records. I wanted to mix records. I even wanted to be an an A at at that time because um, I always felt as though I had a real ear for you know for for, for singles and for songs. And uh-huh. I, I was never hired, but um, you know, I always wanted to have uh, have many hats because uh-huh. I I feel as though I, you know I think I have a a pretty good good ear. Uh-huh. Are you done adding hats to your collection? Do you have plans on yeah, expanding? No, or? I'm not because I want to become a, a film producer. That's that's my next goal. And why is that? Because I've always been fascinated by by, by movie making. And mm-hmm. when my mom brought me to California for the first time to visit my aunt back in 1974, they uh, took me to um, Universal Studios. Uh-huh. I think I was nine years old. And we went on the tour, you know, of the back lot, and I was blown away. Really, I thought I was going to get into the film business first. Uh-huh. But then, you know, but music was always there. Um, but yeah, that's always been my little secret goal is is to do is to get into film. Film is a really visual medium, right? Mm-hmm. You're a very visual person, it seems. Right. So it just seems like a natural progression, right? You're going to get into something Most like definitely. that because. Yes. See, and I think that would, that would be another way to feed your inner being and just make things better. Yeah, because I see songs as little mini movies. That's how I yeah. see songs. You know, um, I, I don't need a video to, to feel the, the song. Yeah. Um, a lot of these kids now, they, they need a video in order to feel that it's a hit, you know? Right. But I already know it's a hit because I. As soon as I hear a song, I, I see the video playing in my head. I see the story. You know, if the lyrical content is is there, then that story is in is in my head. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that the the visual is is there. So no, yeah, that um, you know, taking this to to the film business to me is it's it's it it, it makes sense. 
I know you're really into art too, right? Oh yeah, because my father wasn't is an artist, so okay. um, I'm very much in, into art. He was an artist. He was a sculptor. He was so just that a- alone, you know. You know, it's uh, I'm very attracted to to art. It just seems like all these things that you're interested in and that you're doing just all kind of feed into to create something really amazing. Mm-hmm. They're all working yeah. together, right? To create yeah, it's something. all art to me. I think it's all about being an artist. I mean, singers are not artists. I think mixers are artists too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, I think pr- producers are, are artists when they're more in, involved in how of, of sculpting a song of, uh-huh. of the of the arrangement. If if, the, if it's a producer that's heavily involved in the in the arrangement of of the song, picking the song, and you know, helping the the artist get to that next next level, then yeah, that producer is an artist too. Does having that background with your dad being an artist, um, has that influenced how you work in the studio at all or, or how you interact with the artists, the music um, artists? I'm not sure about that. But I know that having a nine to five job and working in customer service, um, that made me realize that that prepared me to work with artists. Because working mm-hmm. in customer service, you have all types of characters, you know, people with all types of, of, of attitudes and anger, happiness, everything, you encounter every emotion working in, in customer service. And so once I got in, into dealing with uh, artists, it's uh, in this music business, as as you know, it's a lot of characters. Right. I think that <laughs> really prepared me for dealing with all these different e- emotions and, right. you know, so. That was going to be the next thing we talked about. So I've talked to a bunch of different people now on the podcast, and it really seems that the artist, engineer, or producer relationship is really integral to the success of a project. But it's not something that the students learn in school. The kids aren't learning how to do it. And I don't know if it's possible to learn that way. And and I've heard a lot of horror stories about someone that's new in the business and having to deal with someone who might be difficult or have needs that the engineer producer doesn't know yet how to deal with. So how do you approach each project and artist to create a bond? Because you have to have a trust, right? And you have to be able to deal with artists, whether it's ego or special needs or whatever it is. So how do you how do you do that when you're starting something new? You know what? Being blessed with, with six kids who are have different personalities, that has helped me out <laughs> a lot tremendously. And I know how to deal with them, with each one of them, you know, uh, in, in a certain way, because they're all they're, they're different people. Right. Born on different days, different months, different years. So they're always going to bring something different to, to me. So that has taught me to, you know, deal with person, different personalities as, as, as well and to know how to deal with, with crisis management. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, um, you know, what an artist is doing is personal to, to them. It's it's their it's their life. And I have to realize that what I do, I can move on to the next project, but they have to live with this for the for the rest of their lives. Uh-huh. So if point, it's yeah. so if it's if it's crappy, then they have to live with it being crappy. And, and if it's great, then they have to live with it being being great. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that I have to realize. It's that um I'm creating a service, and like I said, you know, earlier, it's, it's bigger than than me. But um, it's it's something that I had to realize come coming up is that this is not my project; it's their project. So sometimes I, I have to sneak my myself in 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 there without them uh-huh. without them knowing it. Uh-huh. And sometimes, you know, what it is too, it's great. I think what's very important is talking to an artist or talking to to the producer before you start. Is having having an understanding. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a big part of it. A lot of times we're just on go. You know, right. we, 
we uh, get the session or, or we're hired for a project and we don't even sit down and talk and, and get to know e- each other. We just, oh, let's just start music. Let's just start, you know, writing or producing or doing. Let's go in the studio and just let's, let's, let's just go. And that's, I don't think that's the right thing to do. But I think a lot of times we, we do that because we're on a clock. It's always a deadline now. Everything's go, right. go, go. But back in the day, bigger budgets, there was time to sit and chill and to spend days and weeks on, on, on something because you were given that, that luxury. But now, and I think technology has made everything so urgent too, because mm-hmm. if you text somebody, they text you back. If we go online, we, we see all these news uh, across, across the world. If we email somebody, they email us back. So everything is so instant now. But back in the day, we had time to chill. And, and if somebody had to call you, then they had to wait until you got home or they had to wait until you, you know, until you listen right. to your vo- yeah. voicemail. Everything was about waiting. Even if you had to rewind the tape machine, you waited. You, you waited till it re- rewinded. Right, right. Yeah. And once it stopped and you hit play, everything was about wait. Now everything is about now. You know, um, you know, you know, working on, on a session, everything is hit play and it's right there. Bam. You know, um, you know, you, you take the cursor, boom, you hit it, hit play, boom. So that has made our, our patience thin. But don't you think if you take the time, I, I did a, a podcast recently with someone I didn't know until I asked her management company, I said, can you set up a Zoom meeting like you and I had beforehand? Because I, I always feel better if I meet the person, even on a computer and see just to create some kind of connection. And he represents a bunch of different artists. And he said, I was the first person that had ever asked to do that. But yeah. I can't imagine not doing that. And I would think that to be able to take the time to create some kind of bond with an artist is going to make for a better project overall. And it might make it, you know, it might streamline it more anyway. So you're saving time ultimately because you you have a trust in each other and you're able to go without this start, stop, disagreement, not really on the same page kind of thing. Yeah, that, you know, that to me is, is very important, too, that I, I, I talk, if they allow me to, you mm-hmm. know, talking to the producer, talking to the artist. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you don't even get really a chance to talk to the A&R person. Um, and I think that's, I mean, what, what you did with, with me is, uh, I mean, I love that. And it's very, it's very rare that a person wants to talk to you first and talk about, just talk about life. It's not even yeah. about talking about what you're going to do. It's about no. just me, meeting that person, saying hi. How right. how are you? How are you doing? You know, people are not really social anymore, and that's really sad. And um, it's like my kids; they don't even talk to their friends on the phone. They feel that's weird that they they have to text each other. <laughs> oh no, we don't we don't talk to each other on, on the phone. We, we text each other. So these yeah. kids don't know how to be social. They really mm-hmm. don't know how to. So when you're out somewhere and when you see your kids. They don't know how to say hi to anybody. They they just you know they'd rather text a person and say say hi, <laughs> you, you know. Right. So it's uh it's very strange times. I don't know how the the next generation is going to be as as adults. You know, um, I just don't know. But I I can't imagine living life with without being social. Yeah. So just change a little bit. So what people seem to in different events I do when we have engineers or producers, they always want to know like what failure they've had in their career and how they overcame it and were able to keep going. So what would be one of your big failures? How'd you overcome it? And what did you learn from it moving forward in your career? I think it's more about projects that I had passed on okay. because, yeah, it's, it's not about failure. I think it's more about projects that I wish I would have worked on, but it's just time didn't, didn't permit. Uh-huh. Um, I think one project I can think of is the first Kendrick Lamar album. 
where um, I got the call to mix that album, but the budget wasn't wasn't right, and so I had passed on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so so that that taught me to um, you know to really investigate what I'm going to work on if if I can, uh-huh. and to try and, and to try to make the budget work. Uh-huh. You know, try to um, some sometimes you have to cut you know cut your rate down, right? Because it's really not. It's really, you know, it's really not about the money because you can work on that project and that one project can make more more money come come to to you. So it's right. not a, it's not right. about that yeah. money at that moment, you know. So that has changed my my mind about you know what projects to work on and what projects not not to work on. Uh-huh. So that that was my that was my lesson. It's like mm, I, I, some sometimes you got to cut your rate, you know. So yeah, because for the ultimately it could have been a bigger thing. By yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's for yeah, it's 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 for the common good. <laughs> yeah. So you have three Grammys. I have five. Five. Okay. Maybe we'll cut that part out. Maybe I should just say. So you have five Grammys. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people. It's so funny. A lot of people don't really know much much about me because I'm not that person. I mean, I just really started recently. Started really, um, you know, I guess letting people know who, who I am and what uh-huh. I have. Because I'm not that right. person. I'm a very modest person. Uh-huh. And so, you know, a lot of people don't know much much about me. Okay, so when you got into this business, was one of your goals to win some Grammys? Was that a motivating factor for you? Yes, that was a motivating factor because um, I was a kid who watched the, the Grammys every year uh-huh. when I was a kid. And that was something that I wanted to have. I wanted to touch. I wanted to you know, feel, feel proud about getting. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's just one of my, my goals, you know, and it, it's such a surreal thing. I mean, sometimes I pass by my trophy case and, and it's, it's crazy to me. I, I, it's, it's, um, it's like, wow, I have five, you know, uh-huh. and it's, it's such a humbling thing, you know, cause I, I wanted one, yeah. you know, I, I, I won my first one back in two two thousand four, and I thought that was gonna gonna be it. I I got my one. I can move on. I I conquered that. Uh-huh. Great, because a lot of people don't have one. Right. A lot of you know big big name artists don't even have one. So for me, who has one Grammy, you know, it's 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 mind boggling. So to have five right now, it's you know, it's it's such a humbling thing. It's uh-huh. not something that makes me stick my chest out. It makes me go, it should, you know, it's, I, I, I realize my, I realize my blessing. Are you a goal setter? Cause I am in my life in real life. I set goals all the time for myself. So is that something um, you do? I guess I do, but then I don't, I have things that I want to do, uh-huh. but, but I don't put a clock on it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I know that things take, take time. There's always roadblocks and, you know, and, you know, I, I just, I guess I do. But I can't explain it though. Like, but I guess I do. I, I think, yeah. Just like you know, we was talking about Earl earlier. You know, um, about you know being a, a film film producer and doing this and doing that. And yeah. But um, yeah. I, I kind of take life a little bit easier now, and, and I kind of laugh at life because sometimes because I see a lot of people who pass away with, without reaching their goals. Mm-hmm. A lot of people pass away at an early early age, and they were at the height of of what they were doing, and all of a sudden, you know, they're not here anymore. So. Um, so I tend to laugh at life now uh-huh. and just count my blessings of what I've, I've I've conquered. And, you know, and I do have goals. If I reach them, I reach them. If I don't, I don't. Because I look at, it's like, what, what makes me better than, than, than the person that died 
early and, and didn't reach reach theirs. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of look at life that that way. Uh-huh. Okay. So you've worked with a bunch of different artists, Outkast, Earth, Wind, Fire, TLC, Pink, Tyler, Creator, Nicki Minaj. I mean, the list is huge. And and uh, I was wondering, because you were talking about who you listened to early. So you were, you worked with Earth, Wind, and Fire. What was that like after growing up listening to them and then being able to work with them? Oh, that was a surreal moment because that was the first time that they made a record without their without their leader, Maurice White. Oh, hi. And to be put in that chair as as a pr- producer and for them to trust me, um, that to me was that that was that was amazing. Till this day, I you know it's you know and that's what I mean. I, I count my blessings because you know it's it's just. You know, I mean, you have these big dreams and then life, you know, puts these big challenges in, in front of you. So sometimes you got to be asked, you got to be careful what you ask for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I always tell people that, you know, you, you have to, if you want to reach these goals, you, you have to be prepared. And that's why I don't rush things because I, I want to be ready. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's not about, it's not about the technical side. It's just mentally, you have to be ready for right. it. Right, Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I got to be technically technical ready and I have to know how to do this and that. But no, you have to be ready mentally because um, I know some people will, will bug out if they're not mentally ready for it. They can have all the tools and all the knowledge, but if they're not mentally ready for that to be put on your lap, you can, you know, you can really ch- check out, you know, because some people. And I, it's so funny that mental health is such a big thing now, uh-huh. but I think it's always been the big thing, but we've never put emphasis on it. There's been people, you know, like Brian Wilson, who went to a lot of mental health, you know, doing Beach Boy records and everything. Mm -hmm. And and it's funny that that wasn't a big issue then, you know, after what he's been through. But it's funny that now it's it's a big issue. And I don't know what what started it or what what, what was the catalyst, but it was a lot of people going through a lot of heavy mental things, you know, for for a long, long time. So it's just not something that that has happened. It's it's been with us from 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 the beginning. Right. But not everybody wants to take that into account, right? Especially with a career that's starting to take off. It's like you want to focus on getting your career going and, and yeah. you know, winning those awards and going to the next big project. So yeah. it's a hard thing. One of the things that we talk about in these podcasts a lot is a work-life balance. So mm-hmm. what do you do to create that in your own life? I mean, especially you, you work a lot and you have six kids. I mean, right there, yeah. that would be like more than enough. Yeah. Well, thank God, my my I have older ones. The the, the older four, they're in their twenties and thirties and graduated college, mm-hmm. and I have two younger teenagers that try to drive me crazy. But <laughs> but you know, but I but they don't know that I am a a professional, so I, I don't let them drive me too too crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But uh, what I do, you know, I I have this, you know, when it comes to meditation, I don't always go inside of a room and sit still. Sometimes uh-huh. meditating can be. You can meditate while doing your everyday life, right. doing your everyday grind. And sometimes I've learned to do that to just to keep mindful of, of things and not let things stress me out, you know, and not to worry too much. That's that's an ongoing thing, an everyday thing is not to worry because... That's a tough one. Yeah, because we can worry about something and then after everything turns out fine, we're, we're laughing, everything's wonderful, and then we're back to doing... So it's like, it's such... I've learned that sometimes worrying can be such a waste of time. And that is an everyday practice that I, I do, that worrying, you know, because you know, we can worry about having deadlines and, you know, taking on too much at one time, which I normally do. I take on a lot. You know, uh-huh. sometimes I'm, I, I call it being an octopus as I'm 
I'm working <laughs> three projects at one time and, and everybody's got deadlines and you know and I don't know how to say no because because you know because I like that project and I like this and and I don't like to lose projects either because of schedules and, right right um, because I recently lost a project because, you know, I thought I can do it. But then it's like, oh, now I got too much on my plate, so I can't do it. And it's like, oh, OK. Um, so uh, I'm just a workaholic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how I balance it, I balance it here, you know. And it, it has to start here because if you uh-huh. don't, then you can really lose yourself. So yeah. I've, I've learned to stay pretty, pretty steady. Uh-huh. And I deal with um, if things don't, don't work out, they don't, they don't work out. So I've I've learned to deal with that. So you just you don't dwell on it. You just move no, forward. No, because you can't. Because it's a waste of time. Because if you dwell on it, then you're if you're dwelling on something that's in the past now, then you're then you can't go forward. Right. So, right. but that's an everyday practice that I have to do. I'm not trying to be a swami right now. I'm just saying something right. that something that I've learned to do, and it's an everyday thing that, that I practice. That you have to practice. Just okay. It's all good. Uh-huh. It's cool. You have to go forward. <laughs> That's in the past now. You can't dwell on that. Uh-huh. You can't dwell about, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, what they say, um, all about the what ifs, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Right, right. Yeah. Come on. Shoulda, coulda. Like, so you're going to dwell on that all all day. Right. So, you know what I mean? And people dwell on that for years. What, oh, I, I shoulda, I woulda, I coulda. It's like, uh, it's a waste of time. Yeah, it's it's hard though not to do that. I try and it's I hard, fail. Yeah. yeah, I fail a lot. But what I try to do is take something that I've learned from that experience and just take that part as a positive thing. That so I won't ever do that again, or mm-hmm. know how to to change something so I'm not in the same situation that I was. Yeah, so, right. But it's it's very hard. Yeah. Uh, so if there's someone listening right now who wants to emulate your career path, what advice do you have for them? I think patience is the key of this whole thing. It really is. And some people may not see see that, but once they practice having patience, everything will come come into place. I've had to learn that. Patience is first and foremost in, in this crazy business. It's like the business is crazy, but you can't be crazy with it. Right. That's that's right. the thing. You okay. know. You gotta fight fight your battles and don't take on battles that are a, a waste of time. Yeah. But that's trying to figure out which ones are a waste of time, which ones. I mean, that's a skill you, yeah. you have to learn, right? It's, oh, yeah, it's, it's a easy skill. to get buried. Have, yes, it is a skill because I've been doing this um, for a long, short period of time is what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but I've had to learn it. It's, it's an everyday grind. It really uh-huh. is. Yeah. And you have to know that people are very com- competitive. Um, this business is not always friendly. People will smile in your face, but they are cutthroat because everybody wants wants the gig. Right. Everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants to be noticed. And now because we have social media now, everybody wants to be, you know, a number one. I just, you know, I'm just grateful that I'm still in this and people still people still love what I what I do. Uh-huh. And um, you know, one one thing you just gotta stay humble. That's the one thing. Gotta be humble. Have to because because you know we're we're all you know and I think the pandemic taught us a, a lot too that that no one's better than in, anybody else. Right. We were all rowing in, in the same boat. I don't care right. how much money you had or, or how much assets you had, didn't, don't matter. Right. We were all rowing in the same boat, and if you didn't see it, then I, I feel bad for you. So this community, pro audio community. I love this community. I've been in it for a really long time. I have some wonderful relationships, um, long time friendships. Um, 
And that was one of the reasons why I created the podcast, because I want everybody to know how great this community is. So what does community mean to you? Um, community means a lot to me because I come from, I was raised in a community where um, everybody, I was raised in a small town where everybody knows each, each other, uh-huh. you know, families knew each other, you know. So to me, that means a lot. I come from a big family, a lot of co- uh, cousins, aunts, uncles. So, but with this, this music, com- music community, it, it means a lot to me because um, I like to have friends in, in this business. I, I like to have comrades and peers you know i love that um you know learning from each other not being threatened by each other right you know applauding each other i think that's huge you know i think that that makes us better uh it it makes us grow um bringing up the uh younger generation i think is something that's very important so they learned the proper way because i think uh rather than us going up i think we're kind of going down because we're not um just like we talked about earlier, just having the, the, the social skills mm-hmm. and learning the, the, the fundamentals. Because a lot of kids are, you know, doing records in their homes, right? you know, with nobody a- around, you know. And it's almost like being in, in, in prison, being, being in a cell, you know. Yeah. And so that's, that's not good. And so, you know, I, I, I came up in studios where, where you hear the next room and then you see him in the lounge and you're talking to that to the client that's in the next room and you're, you're talking to them, you're talking to pr- producers, you're, right. um, you know, you're, that builds, that builds a community, mm-hmm. you know, and not to have that is, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. No, it's, totally it's, it's not good for the business. Yeah. No, I agree with that. So I saw on your Instagram that you are a big reader. You look booked. Oh my God! Yes, I, I'm an Amazon fool. I will buy books. <laughs> so, so what? I'm I'm a huge reader. So, I what love, kind of books do you read? I love autobiographies. I love to learn about people. Oh, I I'm not a, I'm not about fiction. I, I don't uh-huh. want. I, I want what's real. I want to know what people have have what they've lived. That to me, that that teaches me. Uh-huh. I, I'm not saying that you can't learn from from fiction, but I think reading what someone has lived. That's, you know, and I, and I love to see those types of films, too. Right. So what are your some of your favorite autobiographies? Oh, the, the one on Keith Richards, um, the one on Cicely, this one, uh, Cicely Tyson, um, this one on Diane Carroll. Um, oh, my God, the list goes on. There's, <laughs> there's Miles Davis. There's um, and, and I love the ones about uh, it's one of Janis Joplin. There's Lucille Ball. There's oh, man, uh, David Geffen has a great one. Um, this goes on, and I love to learn what people have gone through, what they've. I mean, the, the strength. I mean, I, I learned. I love to learn about ad, ad, adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not knowing that you had had the strength to, to carry on. Right. Um, that gives gives me me strength, and and for people to be told that they can't do it. Oh, that that drives me. You know, because I was a kid who grew up. You know, there was a family member in in my family who didn't think that I would grew up to be anything because I, I like to hang out with my friends. Uh-huh. You know? But, um, but I, I knew in, in my heart that I was going to be something. I, I didn't know what that was, but I uh-huh. know I was always a positive person. I never got into trouble, never got a, a, arrested. Yeah. I like to hang out, you know, you know, yeah, we, we went out and, 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 and probably drank forties, but in, <laughs> and, and, and smoke a little weed, but I was not uh-huh. a kid who was, overly curious about things you know i was not that that kid i was not him um i I stayed in my place you know 
never was uh, a dis- disrespectful kid. But that one family member just, you know, thought that I wasn't going to, going to up- amount to anything. But but that same fam- family member praises me now, and, and we talk a lot. And um, it's uh, you know I, I don't. I don't have any ill ill will towards that person. I, uh-huh. I love that person to, to death, and they had their opinion back back then. But and it's not me having my having my revenge on that person because I'm not a, a revengeful person. Uh-huh. I, I'm not that person that says ah ha ha ha. You know, um, it's just I think people have their opinions, and, and you know, when people say no to me, it's like an automatic yes, I'm going to do it kind of yes. thing, and it has nothing to do with. Other than someone's telling me I can't do it, mm-hmm. it's all for me. It's all I can do it, and I'm gonna do it. And yeah, it's almost like it's more motivating when I'm told I can't do yeah. something. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love pe- love proving people wrong. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, it, <laughs> well, I love that. Even when even when picking a, a, a song, knowing that you know, working on a on a song and knowing that it's the hit, and no one thinks that it's the hit, yeah, is so gratifying. Yeah. Because I, I feel music so deeply, and I just know when something can can become a hit. And when a label doesn't push that record, it's so frustrating because it is so dis- disheartening to see a, a, a label follow what another label is doing because they're in fear of of not getting a a, a hit. Right. And yeah. In fear of oh, it, it's we got to follow a certain trend. Uh, be you know, be a be a trendsetter, not mm-hmm. a, a trend follower. Take the know? lead. And, yeah, and you know, we took pride back back in the day of being different, of being having, you know, being in, in a band and not, you know, infiltrating on that other band style. Everybody took pride in having their own sound, their own thing. You know, right, even yeah. some of our favorite groups, you you knew that group as soon as you heard it. Sure. Because yeah. they they had their own dis- distinct sound, and nowadays we don't take pride in in, in that. You know, um, yeah. and that's for us. It's, it's frustrating it, to to know that. You know, their goal is for somebody to sound like what's what's happening now. Um, and that's why we don't really have a lot of we have superstars, but I don't think we have super superstars. Yeah, we really don't. We really don't have the superstars like like Aretha Franklin and Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Frank Sinatra and um, Bar- Barbara Streisand, um, you know, uh, Dionne Warwick. You know, we don't have those classic artists because each person had their own sound. Right. You know, yeah. that they had their own voice. As soon as you hear that artist, you know who, who that artist is. Right. But when you hear Elton John, you know that's Elton, Elton right. John, you know. And yeah. I think that comes from it comes from the musicianship. It comes from people taking pride. Of course, we, we all took a little something from something else that, sure. that made us, yeah. that made us. But we didn't, we made sure that somebody did not hear it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and if they pointed it out, we were flattered. But at, at the same time, it wasn't about you know, being that other person, you know, or dressing like that other person. We take a little, it's like Michael Jackson. He took little things from other, he took like from Jackie Wilson and, and, and James Brown and, and, you know, and, um, and uh, Fosse. And he took from different, Sammy Davis Jr. He took from different person and made it, made it him. Uh-huh. But he wasn't trying to sound like them. He was just taking no, parts to create no, no, himself. No, just taking little parts to create himself. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah. You know, when um, my middle son was in high school, he was listening to something. I don't remember what the band was. And he said, listen to this. And I said, oh, it's great. And my husband went and listened to it. And he said, oh, it's okay. And I said, well, what, why didn't you like it? He said, because the original people who played like this exact same sound were better than what these guys are doing. Right. 
Mm -hmm. So I thought that was yep. pretty interesting. Most definitely. And that's how I, I feel about a lot of things, too. I mean, yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I do re I do respect a lot of artists in this business. A lot of artists in this business are doing great things. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that we, we have a lot of work to do. And there's I think we have to get back to taking pride in, in being being great. Yeah. OK, last question. My favorite question. I'm going to meet you. We're going to have dinner. And I don't like making decisions if I'm not working, so I won't be working. So you need to let me know, where are we going? What are we eating and drinking? What kind of music are we listening to? And what are we talking about? Okay, we're eating vegan food. Okay. Uh, where we're meeting at, I'm not sure, because I'm always bouncing around. Um, okay. We're, you said, well, what, what are we talking about? Yeah, what are we talking about? And what kind of music are we listening to? Um, we're talking about, it can be... Anything that happened probably the day before or what's in the latest news, because that's always a big topic, because being that we're we have these these smartphones, anything pops up, you know, so we're always talking about the latest news. Right. Um, what music we're listening to, I guess that depends on what is playing over the loudspeaker, the satellite inside, inside the restaurant. Probably some old, old school music. OK. Old school's good. Okay, well, that's it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been great to get to know you a little better. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I was I was the guest that you were counting on. <laughs> <laughs> you were perfect. So, I loved it. Wonderful. Thanks for listening to this episode of One and Done. Don't forget to check out today's show notes and our YouTube channel for more from our guests and subscribe to our KMD Pro weekly resource guide on kmdpro.com. This podcast is produced by Jules Everson and Stephanie Lamont. Our audio engineer is Corey Klotz. We'll see you next time.